Hi, everyone. I'm Mel Butcher. And I'm Michelle Redfern. And we're behind the Lead to Soar podcast. We've got a couple really fun things to share with you. And the first thing we want to share is our colleague, Susan Colantuno. She started a podcast called Be Business Savvy. Be Business Savvy. We highly recommend it. And it's a short form podcast where you hear directly from Susan. It's like having a friendly mentor in your ear. So check her out at BeBusinessSavvy.com. Over to you, Michelle. Thanks, Mel. Well, two exciting things from me, along with Be Business Savvy. Number one, The Leadership Compass. My very first book is due for release on March 26, 2024. You can find out more about The Leadership Compass, what it's all about. Of course, it'll be your ultimate guide if you're an ambitious woman leader. You can find more about that at michelleredfern.com. And hand in hand with the Leadership Compass book is the Leadership Compass boot camps. I'm going to do one boot camp a quarter for 2024 for just six women at a time. And you'll be working through in three weeks. So, yes, it's short, sharp, and high impact. All of the elements from the Leadership Compass and my 40 years of executive experience. So, you'll cover BQ, EQ, and SQ, and you will be positioned to have a career that soars. Again, you can find out about the boot camps at michelleredfern.com, leadtosoar.com, or if you can't find any of that, just drop us a line and we'll point you in the right direction. You're listening to Michelle Redfern and Mel Butcher on Lead to Soar, bringing you the best leadership advice and mentorship from around the world. Learn more at leadtosoar.com. On today's episode, we have a guest that's doing absolutely fantastic work. Not only does she run an agriculture business in India, but through her work, she's empowering hundreds of women workers and helping them achieve financial independence. Michelle is going to give her a great intro, so I'll turn it over to her in the interview now. Welcome, Nina Patil, to Lead to Soar. Hello, dear listeners. Michelle Redfern here again, your host of the Lead to Soar podcast. Today, it is my honour, as always, to come to you from the land of the Boon Wurrung people of the Kulin Nation here in Australia. I pay my respects to the traditional custodians, their elders past and present, and I, I want to acknowledge that we have so much to learn, particularly from Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander women and women of other cultures who I very much pay my respect to today. And today we have a, a woman who is from a different culture and a different geography to me. Her name is Nina Patil. And Nina, I'll give you her, her bio but um, and then I'll give you a little story and, I, and I'll invite Nina to tell, to tell us about her. Nina is the director of Fresh Express and Fresh Express is in the agricultural sector and they grow and export table grapes and natural sun-dried raisins. They've been in the fresh produce from India sector for the last 26 years. Now, Nina's not just a, a CEO, and when I say just a CEO, of course, I have enormous respect for any woman who's a CEO. She's not just the CEO of, of a successful global enterprise, but she's also very committed to a whole range of things around natural farming because she's very interested in how we use nature's ecosystem to minimise the use of resources and chemicals. And she's also an enormous advocate of for women's empowerment. 90% of the workforce at Fresh Express are women and they are proudly financially independent. And I'm going to ask Nina to share something about how that happened in a while. Nina is extraordinarily qualified and we're going to share all of her bio and her qualifications in the show notes. But welcome, Nina. I'm so happy to have you here. It feels like a lifetime since we were together meeting in, in Berlin for the Global Women Fresh Conference uh, in 2020. So welcome to the Lead to Soar podcast. Thank you so much, Michelle. It's such a pleasure being here and thank you for having me. 
Uh, yes, it seems a long time, but then I've been following you on Instagram and on LinkedIn. And um, I, it, believe me, it's my honor to be here, Michelle. I really admire all that you do. And really, thank you for the kind introduction. But let, let me tell you, the feeling is absolutely mutual. <laughs> we, we have a bit of a, a mutual admiration society going on here. Hey, Nina, you've been running your own company for, for two and a half, more than two and a half decades. You are the CEO, you're the director. Can you tell us about your career that has soared? Where did you start? How did you decide what you were going to do? And how did you end up where you are now? So t- t- tell our listeners about you and your career. Uh, thank you. Uh, yes, so actually um, I started off doing my master's in social work. I had absolutely no intention of getting into business, uh, frankly. I always liked working with people and uh, I, I wasn't very sure when I was studying what I really wanted to do, but I knew that it was I, I had to be with people and education. So... Then I I grew up in the tea plantations of Assam, and then I got married into grape vineyards. So it was like from, you know, plantations into uh, uh, vineyards. And uh, when I got married, uh, initially it was, I was, I was not very keen to get into the business, but then when I slowly realized that it is 95% women that we are working with, and I had an opportunity to make a contribution there. And that's when I said that, uh, yes, I think I can, I mean, that's definitely something that's gonna be interesting. And as you know, most of these women were from lower income groups. Uh, We work with a lot of small farmers uh, from where we are, which is, I mean, uh, even less than a hectare, sometimes even less than half an hectare. And uh, they were doing amazing work uh, in, in their small little fields, but didn't really have an outlet to, you know, they were maybe selling uh, locally or making raisins. And um, by the, when at that time, this was like the early 90s, and we had in Maharashtra, where we are, where we are based, uh, there was a whole spate of farmer suicides, in fact, because they the kind of uh, loans they would take on to, especially like, uh, I mean, in farming in general, but also in grapes, because it's quite an expensive growing operation. So when you use the conventional way with the normal chemicals and pesticides. And uh, so we thought, both my husband and me, Ranjit and I said that, and uh, we said that this is an opportunity where we can look at natural farming. Now, natural farming is um, a little different from organic farming, but you you use the resources that are available in your farm. And in your farm or indigenous, or those plants that are grown indigenously in your area to make growth regulators and make pesticides and organic pests like organic pesticides of plant origin and which would make farming it's like commercially much more viable and also good for the soil so we started this on a small scale in our own farms in it was an absolutely drought prone area in uh, in maharashtra where people thought that nothing was possible like agriculture forget it you know and we started really small out mm-hmm. there. And it was interesting because that whole uh, area was just, you know, there was a few hamlets with women in it because all the men had left to work in the urban areas. So out of curiosity, they came in and just, uh, you know, joined us. And that's where we started off with our grape vineyards, with women supporting us. And slowly we have, we had, uh, women farmers from neighboring areas, other farmers also, women and men farmers, coming and finding out what is this process by which, uh, you know, you're not using so much chemicals and just using it of, you know, of plant origin instead of promoting uh, plant origin uh, regulators and pesticides. 
So that's how we started. And uh, today I'm proud to say that we are working with over, I think, 700 farmers in Maharashtra. And we have out of which, of course, we are proud to support a 95% woman workforce, but also we have now 10% women farmers. By when I say 10% women farmers, it means that the land is on their name because it, we realized that what would happen is that we gave a, we would purposely have a, you know financial incentives if it's a woman farmer. So then I started seeing the grapes being brought in by the name of in the name of the you know in a wife or a sister, and I said no, that's not enough. The land has to be on her name. So that started off another. That's also spurred some, uh, you know, encouragement where the woman got land on their name. I'm sorry. I hope I'm not rambling. No, no, no. That's it's great, and it reminds me of the the very animated conversation you and I were having last year uh, around women's financial independence and being able to be, you know, what does empowerment mean or empowerment of women? It comes down to the things that you're talking about. Uh, financial knowledge, financial independence, finance is financial or, or life empowerment. So, and I'm I'm just fascinated, and and I want to talk a little bit more about that because whilst today, the day that we're recording this podcast is a momentous day in the world because we see arguably the second most powerful political role in the world being taken up by a woman. Uh, a black woman, a woman of Southeast Asian origin, the Vice President Kamala Harris, which I'm just ecstatic about to see a woman of colour in, in such a prominent, powerful position. But, but by the time our listeners will be hearing this podcast, we will be talking in our career network, a career that saws a lot around financial empowerment and what that means and Nina, it, it's interesting when so so I want to reflect on the day that we're recording, which is an awesome day, but also put some context around this financial empowerment and taking control of your life and your career and your money and how important that is. And as a CEO, how you've taken really proactive steps to have a sustainable, enduring solution and interrupt in a, intergenerational gender inequity. It's such an exciting thing that you've done and I, I want to be able to shout it from the rooftops. Before I do that though, I want to reflect on a couple of things that you said. You had, you started off in, in social work. You knew you wanted to work with people and create solutions through and with people and through, through your partnership, your life partnership with your husband, you suddenly found yourself in the world of business, which you had, in your words, no intention of going into. But all of a sudden, here we, well, I shouldn't say all of a sudden because it's 26 or so years down the track, but you set about becoming embedded and involved in your business and have taken it from strength to strength. How did you start becoming more skilled in and, I guess, aware of the you know the, the critical business elements and if I, if I think about our leadership definition leadership is using the greatness in you to achieve and sustain extraordinary outcomes by engaging the greatness in others and those outcomes are around the missing 33% business strategic and financial acumen so how did you build upon and strengthen your business strategic and financial acumen so that you could become as successful as you've become? Um, yeah, Michelle. Actually, very frankly, it was kind of, you know, when you get thrown into the waters, you learn to swim. Uh, yep. Literally. <laughs> yeah, it was literally like that. And probably I had a lot more downs than up at that time. And uh, I learned it the hard way. Let me say, let me put it like really plain, is that uh, there were times, uh, Michelle, in the beginning when I was in business, or when I was working with my husband, um, uh, there was absolutely no diplomacy because, you know, I, I, I know, like, you know, I was just so into it to get things done. And also, I, I don't know, since very early, probably because... Um, maybe being raised by a very strong mother and two very strong sisters, 
is that uh, well, we're very conscious that my woman be out there, you know, get all their rights. So something like that uh, happened early on. And uh, we, you know, we work from two locations and uh, my women have always supported me so well. So they moved, I think it's almost like 400 kilometers to another location when I was packing. And I think I told off some senior staff, men's staff in the company because they did not have proper arrangements for these women who had come from so far. And you wouldn't believe it, Michelle, my senior staff, I think the entire lot just left. Oh, just really? left. Wow. And we were we were packing from this remote location. And it was just my husband and me and my workers. Because they just left because they were offended by what I said. And I know that if it was the same thing, and it was just that it's just not done when you don't have proper staying arrangements for the woman. They need to be safe, they need to feel, you know secure and uh, and I know if the same thing was said by my husband or a male they would have taken it and that's something that stayed with me for some reason that uh, yes Nina you have to get things done but you have to be a little more diplomatic okay get it done all right and um, yep. I started looking for things like okay I I tried doing my MBA I don't know why, but I was always averse. I'm, I'm, I'm not against MBAs. I think they're great. But uh, it's just that I did a diploma in management. But what I found more than in the books, I found through experience. And also, mm-hmm. I had a mentor. I know that you also, uh, you know, work in this field. But I think having a mentor was great. Uh, this was when I joined um, uh, the Sherry Blair Foundation where I had a mentor, Tracy, from the UK. And uh, she really helped me to think through it and uh, say, I I was terrified of numbers, yeah? So, but then she made me really give a hard look at numbers. So having a mentor really helped me. Of course, going through it, just go in and get your hands dirty. I would tell, I would say that because when you are experiencing it, that's the only way to go through it. Yes, my husband was great support. I remember when that incident happened and I'm like, I looked at him and I said, now what? He said, you and me are there, right? We're still standing. Let's get on with it. So yeah, Yeah. that's, he's been there. What a great story. And and I want to the, the fact that you've said I was terrified of numbers, I, I was, as you said that, I, I was thinking to myself, I wish I had $10 for every time I've someone, a woman has said to me, I'm not good at numbers, I'm terrified of the numbers, the numbers aren't my thing. And because I'd be a very rich woman. And, but further to that, you had this great mentor through the, um, the Cherie Blair program that you were on. And adding on that and building on that is is you chose to develop yourself. You chose to, well, number one, you did one of my favourite things, which is let's just dive in at the deep end and it's either sink or swim, isn't it, you know? And for women like you and me, we choose to swim and we'll do what we need to do to get that done. But you also recognise that you needed other help and you set about getting that help. So, so your mentor, Christine, can, can you tell us about her? Because she sounds terrific and she sounds like she was a strategic mentor because she, she was schooling you or helping you learn about the business of the business and, and those numbers and strategy. Can you talk to, to us about her and what impact she had on you? Yes, absolutely. And it was Tracy. From UK. Oh, I beg your pardon. Why did, why did no. I have Christine in my mind? <laughs> Sorry. No problem. No problem. So then her name was Tracy and Tracy would meet me every, uh, I think we, we started off meeting like once a week. Uh, this was for a year, uh, Michelle. And uh, yep. so we would, it, it's very well um, programmed, you know, they have it like, you know, how often we need to meet and what we, we should be talking about. And the thing is that most important is that what Tracy made me do is made me think for myself. You know, they never, they made it very clear that the mentors are here 
not to give you the answers. You have to find the solutions to the problems yourself. But to help us think in different ways, you know, maybe what about, uh, there was another thing, I'll give you an example, is that, okay, besides, after, after also mentioned two very important organizations, if I may say so, which helped me on this journey, is one is BNI, so that Business Network International, so you, yep. you know, that's all over the world. So that also helped us to, you know, help meet other businessmen and women and interact and another thing is also action coach. So we had a coach and he, so Tracy was telling me that there was a coach who was coaching both Ranjit and me, a business coach. And so, you know, when it came to the numbers, my initial reaction would be, okay, yeah, uh, you, you look at those. So Tracy says, no, 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 no. And in fact, later, it's just so happened that uh, Ranjit was completely out of it. And I was running this little... Um, you know, fresh cut vegetables and fruits in a location in Maharashtra, in a city in Maharashtra and Pune. And uh, so every week I would be like, you know, we had it chalked out looking at the numbers. So she got me into this habit of looking at the numbers in a very simple format, evaluating where we are going. And this business was up for around four or five years. We gave it my all. And when... Tracy and me were looking at, she wasn't looking at the numbers. She was just making me look at the numbers. And at the end of that, we had to take the painful decision to stop the business. You mm. see, because it was bleeding the rest of the company so much. And that was the hardest thing for me to do because it was my baby, you know? Yeah, for and, sure. Uh, yeah, and, and it's not just the business, it's the people. It's always when I uh, when I'm talking to my, uh, you know, talking to everyone in our team, I say that, you know, Fresh Express is not the Puddle family. You not working for us, you working for the 700 farmers, the seven, 700 plus, like plus the people who harvest the fruit. That's another 300 and another 700 ladies. So, you know, it's a whole ecosystem. So this is what we're supporting. And that was the most painful decision for me because there were people involved. Of course, it was a much smaller, uh, much uh, smaller branch. So there were not so many people in that business. Like there were around, we were a small team of 10 to 12, but then even just letting them go. I mean, it, we didn't just let them go. Of course, I gave them a choice of joining some of the other the other branches and things like that. But there were some people which Tracy said, if they are not making sense and you have their KPIs, you know, looking at setting out key responsibility areas and your monthly goals and your KPIs and looking at all those things, that's what she really got me to focus on, along with Action Coach, of course. Uh, so mm -hmm. these were the things that really helped me, Michelle. listening to Lead to Soar. Find information on upcoming events and learn how to join the network at leadtosoar.com. is such a, a wonderful, wonderful demonstration of, you know, a strategic mentor who is helping you to, to, yes, build your skills but put them into use. And I, I think the story around your your fresh cut fruit and vegetable business or uh, part of the business and, and the really painful decision that you had to make was, you know, the, often in business we have to make these decisions but because we're looking at the big picture and the big picture was that that if you didn't take that decision, there was going to be an impact on your 700 farmers, your 300 harvesters, those 700 women. And, you know, if you weren't paying attention to the numbers, if you weren't really hooked into the strategic and financial outcomes that your organisation had to achieve and the impact you wanted to have in your community, that may have continued to be a drain. So I think that's a terrific example of, of what we call pie mentoring or strategic mentoring. 
I think the other one I want to call out is networking and and BNI. Yes, that we we have BNI here in Australia, and as you said, it's a global organisation. But for you putting yourself into that mix and saying I need to be out there and strategically networking with potential recruiters, with potential clients, with you know people who are going to help my business grow and that networking and particularly learning the skill of networking is well the the, the higher we go up in organizations and and you know I don't want to speak on your behalf the more we spend on the external facing kind of challenges don't we so I think I'm interested in what you learned about networking as well. I think one of the you know the biggest uh, things uh uh, the contributions that I think that BNI did was being able to pitch. I mean, that was what we have were taught firstly is that being able to pitch a company in 30 seconds, you know, because that's yeah. one thing they said that, yeah, I mean, you have to tell the essence of what you have. I mean, you, you know, you know that, you know, they're stuck in the lift with someone and then you, you have to make that pitch in 30 seconds. So that was amazing. So that's one of the biggest things that they did. And also that it's it was such a focused group. I mean, that's all we talked about. And it was having like a network of 60 people marketing for you in the pitching for your business. So that's what we were doing for each one of the, because you have only one business represented in the group. So if I was in Fresh Produce, I was the only one. So everyone had to, so they goal their aim was to get me business as mine for them so Mm. it was that was really interesting so how we worked and having our one-on-ones and so not only like you know you have those friends for life and also that we're so focused on each other's business and you get to learn about so many new businesses because when you when you're talking about your co-bni colleagues business you have to know about that so right from so even though I was in fresh produce I was talking about cranes one minute to someone and about some (laughs) interior designing and everything so it opens up your uh, view beautifully so I I thought that was fun that was really interesting yes I think that that also that that kind of networking and being able to demonstrate your broader connection to the business community and be able to talk about other organisations, you know, around that ecosystem that you're working in. And I love the fact that you use ecosystem in so many different examples within your your, your own history and, and, and the, the business. But that the ability to be known as a woman who knows people, you're a businesswoman who knows people and businesses and industry and you're not one-dimensional. It's such a great part of your of your professional brand, isn't it? Yes, absolutely. You put it so beautifully, Michelle. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> well, you're making my job very easy, Nina. So there you go. <laughs> hey, I want to. I really want to talk about the women in your organisation and the things that you've done for them. I. This was the story that I fell in love with um, a, a year a year ago, hearing about how you looked at a, a system of inequity for women and set about doing something about it. So can you take us through the story of the, the women of, of Fresh Express and what you've done? Yeah, absolutely. I would divide this into kind of, uh, you know, three sectors where the women work with us. So one would be in the farms, So because these are rural women who don't have access to as much resources or, uh, you know, facilities as the other women. So they would be Mm -hmm. women who work in the farm, rural women who work in the farm. Then they would be women who work in the pack houses with us. And the third would be women farmers. So in three ways, I think, I mean, so uh, we worked in all three sectors. So I would start with my woman in the farm. And uh, that's when I told you about the story where we introduced different form of farming for them, which would make it economically viable, not only economically viable, but far, uh, you know, healthier for the soil. And of course, for us uh, personally, it's so much healthier having less chemicals in our system. 
and it made it so much more economically viable for them because they were they learned the process by which they could use local indigenous plants instead of buying chemicals from a bottle and just using that. So these women who have been working with us now, they have their, and what's amazing and the thing that I'm most proud about is in this area where we started off is that, as I was telling you, it was a totally barren, arid land, Michelle. And mm. now the entire area spotted with vineyards. And each one of them have gone on to making, to having their own little grape vineyards, their little own kitchen gardens, their own vineyards, or a little plot of wheat, or a little pot, or a little plot of their own indigenous pulses that they grow in that area. So it was like a mini green revolution. So that is something that, that's what makes me really happy, you know, when you can you know, really have a little revolution there. So yep. that's what we did in the farms. And uh, so connected to that is where, uh, okay, uh, where we, you know, where women farmers also got encouraged because they started seeing, first and foremost, uh, Michelle, even though it's within India, uh, you know, it's very conventional here. And I was also married into a very conventional family where here you know interstate and sometimes now of course it's still it's broadened out a lot but at that time when I was married into this family it was not a norm because I'm from a different state in yep. India completely and so uh, they were like a little curious the other women farmers now we're talking about the women farmers as who's this woman and you know let's see what she's doing and I think that came just out of curiosity but that's when I took the opportunity, I grabbed the opportunity to, you know, encourage them. I said, you are doing the work on your farm anyways. I mean, you are the one out there. So take ownership, get out there. And we gave them platforms where we would have uh, little seminars and it, they felt comfortable only with women. So I said, okay, fine. We start with a group of four is okay, but let's come together, discuss growing practices and encourage them to take take the initiative of putting their names on that piece of paper and making it their mm. business, their farms. That took a lot of that. It's not something that's just said by being just you know. It was not as simple as I said that do it and they would do it. They they saw me uh, you know going through the grind for so many years, and now I've been somehow been uh, you know. I think successful in having 10% women farmers, 10% yeah. plus, maybe it's 11.2 or something like that now. But I would like to see that number. And, and with the with those yes. those women who, sorry, Nina, with with those women who are coming into the farm. So so you're a to paint the picture. You're a, a woman who's married into your your husband or married your husband and, and into into that family. You've come in from a different part of of India, so they're a little bit. You know, they don't know who you are. They're a little wary of you. And you've got some unconventional ideas. So you were able to really, what we say, engage the greatness in them uh, and help them to understand the opportunity that, that ownership would give them, despite the fact that traditionally or conventionally it was the male partner or the husband that would have the, the name on the land deed. So you, you, you've managed to to give women a, an ongoing ownership of their own property, I guess. That's what you lobbied and get engaged and, and those are the outcomes that you achieved, right? Absolutely. That's correct. That's correct. Because, uh, you know, like as statistics say that there is like, you know, there's just, I think, 12% in India today where the women have ownership and 8% where they have the economic independence to, uh, you know, to take the decision of what they can do with their agri income. You mm. know, so that so so, we, and those are frightening. Yeah, frightening. Absolutely, figures. absolutely. But I, 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 I think it's an encouraging. The government has also been very proactive in this line, where they have been helping with giving women incentives for this. And uh, and you bet I, I would be doing everything I can to 
promote this. Mm-hmm. So this is Good. something. And then just one more of the women who in the pack house. Yes, the women workers. Like, That's This is the story yes. I love. <laughs> <laughs> that is the one when they started and when they around almost, you know, and none of them had their, when it started, none of them had bank accounts to their name. And, and these are the women, always, Nina, that are, that are working at Fresh Express. They're coming in to do all sorts of different roles at Fresh Express, aren't they? Correct. In the pack house. In the pack houses. Yep. So, yeah, these are the women and that would be, the, these are the 700 women I'm talking about from mm-hmm. two locations. So none of them had bank accounts and uh, they th- didn't think it was necessary. And before this government, it was not compulsory for, uh, you know, to have uh, to transfer into the account, you could just give cash. But when the government made it compulsory to put it, like you had to transfer into account and they discouraged cash dealings, uh, that is the time I saw that mm-hmm. opportunity where they then they started bringing their husband's bank accounts or their son's bank accounts. And I said, no, that's when we really took a hard decision and said, uh, no, I, I'll help you get the bank account in your name and also have little financial literacy uh, sessions where to realize why, because there was massive opposition. They said, we don't want to waste one day, uh, one working day to go get the money out. I said, you don't have to do that. And we introduced the concept of ATM. But this is again something, Michelle, where I said, where I cannot, you know, you can't have one rule applies to all. I could do this for these women because they are located in an urban area, but I, it, in the uh, in the rural areas, it's still tough because there is no ATMs. You see, so yes. we yep. we're getting there, but it's 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 going to take a while. But so okay, it's not just enough where you make a rule and say no no no. This is what you have to do. You have to understand. You have to make them feel the advantage of why do I have to have this financial independence? Why? I mean, it, this has been going on for generations where he takes the decision, where I give him the money, where I say that when you use the money, you are going to use it for the whole family. Okay? I'm not saying that the men don't yep. do that. I don't have anything against them. But then it's just that I said, you know, it's like you educate a woman, you educate another 10 others at least. I said that he, he will also do it, but you need to understand that you should have the power. You should have the also the financial know-how on how you can invest on on you know whatever be it your child's education or the or your daughter's marriage or your son's marriage, whatever they want to save for. But you do it, okay? So it started off maybe with a joint account, and now I'm so proud to say that you know at least eighty-five percent of them have they have it on their bank their own bank accounts. And we're getting there to, you know, we have 100% will have it on their own bank accounts. So literally from going and going to an ATM with them and showing them that they can do this and, uh, you know, the whole thing that it, it it's at, and getting a person from the bank to come and open their accounts for them. And they were and it was it was so nice hearing their stories during COVID because all those who had the bank accounts in their names got a government aid during the COVID time. Uh, right. Only those yep. who had yep. their own bank accounts. So they were said that if you hadn't got us to do it, we wouldn't have got it. So I said, yes, I know it mm-hmm. takes time to, you know, push the bit of medicine down, but you you <laughs> will thank me for it sometime down the line. And I can I can be the evil witch for now. It's all right. I don't even know <laughs> you, you, well it's interesting. <laughs> You're not an evil witch, but you are a woman who's who's busting um, generational patriarchal attitudes and uh, but but I love the fact that you've said you know give a woman financial empowerment and knowledge and, and she's got agency over her own money and her own career and you you times that by 10 because she's going to have an impact on so many other people you know her 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 spouse, her family, her friends. You know she that will have such a knock on impact. So it's a it's a really enduring enduring solution. But Nina, why did you? Because it wasn't easy. Because you had protests and you had lockouts and things like that, where you know workers didn't want to do what you wanted them to do around this bank account. But so why did you do it? 
why did you take the hard road? Why did you take the pioneering road, the, the trailblazing road? I don't know whether I thought about it as trailblazing or anything like that, Michelle. It just felt gut, you know, your gut feeling and you're just down there. That is the right thing to do. You know, it's just that, you know, you you know that this is good for her. You know the stories behind, uh, you know, what she goes through. You hear those stories that where she has to, where the, you know, where the money is being used for alcohol or the money is used for the own whatever pursuits you hear about women being, uh, you know, what they have to go through in their daily lives because of this. And then when you have the opportunity to to be financially independent and uh, if they, they cannot take that decision, you just, you know, you push because you know it's going to be something positive in future. You, you know, that's the only way to go. I, I, I wouldn't... Yeah. You know, there, there is no other way. There have been times where even I've had to face the husbands coming in, telling me that uh, they won't come for work if you don't. I, I said, uh, try it. I, I'll do what it takes to for her to be, because we've uh, also with uh, Global Rights Women, and thanks to Global Woman Fresh, who got me connected to Global Rights Women, we've had this uh, programs for domestic abuse and violence, we've had these awareness workshops because it's something that is not talked about at all. You know, it's not, it's something that's shushed and something that's accepted. Not everywhere, I wouldn't say that. There's a lot, a lot more awareness now, but in the rural areas, it's something that, you know, it's sometimes it's just accepted. So when we had this conversation around, even initially in my own mind, Michelle, I was like, mm, I wasn't very sure about what the reaction would be when we when we brought up this topic. And I wasn't saying it aloud, bring this up and what would the reaction be because no one talks about it. And then I said, what the hell? I said, yes, we will. And let's see. So we did. We did it with uh, Global Woman Fresh and Global Rights Woman. Where it's so interesting, um, uh, Michelle, we had it on Zoom. So we had it like, intercontinental and we had uh, Julie and uh, Cheryl joining from the States and there was an interpreter in another part of India because all this had to be virtual. It was during the COVID times and then uh, where uh, it was on Zoom where they had, so they had simultaneous translation happening for them in the local language. And uh, we had such interesting outputs where they came up with, yes, uh, they had questions for Julia and Cheryl where they asked that, do you also have, do, do you guys also face domestic violence? Do you have it in your countries? Mm. And uh, when this happens, like, and about the rights that they have legally. And even like just, I told Cheryl that let's just talk about from the very basic, because separation is something that they do not look at as an option at all. Okay. Yeah. So, yeah, because it's such a it's part. such a big yeah. no no, isn't it? Such a, a, a going outside of those yes. uh, I guess the norms yeah. that have been there for well yeah. literally for centuries, right? It's it's a really you know, yeah. you look at um I think one of the Malala, you know, the young yes. woman who was shot yes. in the head by the the Taliban for wanting to be educated. And we know that when we educate people, particularly when we educate women and girls. It helps them rise out of of the factors that lead to abuse, to poverty, um, and to well, shorten life expectancy, a whole bunch of other things. So you've you know, you've not only said I'm going to pay these women, I want to pay them, and I'm going to pay the, into their own bank account, but you've given them that knowledge, and you continue to do that. And I think it's just a remarkable story. And for our listeners, I really want you to have a look at the stories that Nina has. So please do follow her and, you know, get behind Fresh Express because this is a company that, you know, it's not, you are so many things. You're a successful CEO, a successful businesswoman. You're a social entrepreneur, but you're actually creating social change. You're really disrupting those norms that have that have, that have been around for, for so, so long. Nina, we are getting to the to time and as always, I could talk to you forever, but the let, let's get you into giving some practical wisdom and practical advice uh, for our listeners. So if I'm 
well, let's let's think about our our emerging and establishing women leaders. So they're they're just starting out. What is what are the secrets to having a career that soars? You know, what are those success factors that that you would you know what are the things that you would tell those women and particularly in, in the guise of if you were back at the start of your career what would you tell your younger self as well so what's your advice there Michelle I think the first thing I would say is get your hands dirty get into it yeah I mean it's one thing to get knowledge from books and it's a totally another thing to just experience it feel it and I guess especially because I'm in the field of farming, nothing gives me more pleasure than, you know, just smelling that dirt and getting my hands dirty. So you have to get into it, whatever the books say. Yep. Experience it yourself. And uh, secondly, I would say that uh, having a mentor helps, really helps you, uh, you know, guide you and helps you think. They're not going to give you solutions, you know usually, uh, but helps you think in a totally different way. And, you know, when you take that step, when you take the bold decision, you, you get that courage to take step in a different way, in a different direction. And uh, thirdly, I would say there's abundance. I would like two words, I think, and I put it somewhere in, in your Instagram post, is that two words that would be stay with me in 2021. One is abundance. There is so much to give and so much to share. Uh, you know, give with open arms and you'll definitely receive the same and just get going. You know, we've had enough excuses of for the past year, you know, 2020 has been difficult for all of us. And oh, we tend to, you know, we tend to make excuses for ourselves and you know, oh, but this happened and that happened. Let's just get going, you know, embrace life with both your hands and enjoy life. And also always, you know, I would, I think educating and supporting women, working towards that addition of the trillion, you know, you can't even count the zeros that will add to the economy because I think the future is women. Yeah. Yeah. That would be my oh, yay. I, could, I couldn't agree more. <laughs> yeah. I, oh, what, what fabulous advice. So get your hands dirty. Really get, you know, get in and get to know the business of your business and, and, and feel it uh, for, at every level. Um, get a mentor. And, you know, I, I love the fact that you said that they won't give you the solution, but they'll help you think in a different way, which is so important because we can get locked in that vortex of going round and round and round in our own our own minds. Abundance. A mindset of abundance is just, it, it's so important. I, I really appreciate you bringing that up and abundance and generosity and giving with your open arms. And you, you are the poster child for doing that, um, Nina. And I do love Just Get Going because, of course, one of my things is, one of my mantras is get done. And, you know, let's just crack on and, you know, embrace life, get on with it. And 2020 has shown us that that things can be precarious, but the human spirit, the the, the generosity, the abundance mindset, that the fact that we we can all build together. But gee whiz, when you educate a woman, you are really you as you said beautifully, Nina. You are adding to those zeros um, in terms of the world economy, but you're making the world a better place. So back women all the way. What what terrific advice to, to finish on today we've heard from you about your ecosystem and the difference that you're making to your 700 farmers, your 300 people in the in the harvesting area and 700 women. We've heard how you're looking after the planet and helping farmers create sustainable businesses through natural farming and your leadership in that that field has been terrific. We've heard about the benefit that a strategic mentor provided you and how she really helped you to get your head around the numbers and not be frightened of them. We've heard about the the value that networking organisations and business organisations uh, helped you to be able to pitch your company but also to build those very strong strategic relationships. And we've, of course, we've heard how you have given women uh, education, the tools, um, the practical tool, immediate um, tools to have financial knowledge and empowerment. Nina, I, I 
couldn't think of a, a more wonderful uh, guest to have on to when we're talking about women and leadership. And for me, you embody our leadership definition, which is leadership is using the greatness in you to achieve and sustain extraordinary outcomes by engaging the greatness in others. You've given us all of that and more uh, in our time together. And I, gee whiz, I thank you so much. I'm, it's a joy to have met you. I'm, I'm glad the universe threw us together. I wish you all the best and I, I seriously wish all of those women uh, in your ecosystem the best and, uh, and we're right behind you every step of the way. Thank you so much, Michelle. It's been such a pleasure for me. It was, I was a little nervous, but you made it, you know, it was so nice to chat with you, you know, literally. And <laughs> thank you so much. It means so much to have support from people like you and your organization to just get the message out there, uh, you know, but the little things that we are doing. And um, I, I can't thank you enough, but yeah, as you said, and I love that, uh, you know, what you said about, you know, using, I don't know whether the greatness in me, I, I don't know about that part, but to get the greatness out of others, I think that is something that is so important and it's so fulfilling you know, just to see that happen yeah I, I welcome you to Absolutely. India and to see all this for yourself Michelle hopefully once all COVID Nina, goes I can tell yeah, you I right will. now that the minute the minute I can get on a plane to India I'm, I'm going to be there because I cannot wait to see Fresh Express and all of these wonderful farmers and the wonderful women that you've enabled Nina Patil Fresh Express CEO awesome leader thank you very much thank you Michelle Thank you for joining us for this episode of Lead to Soar. We sincerely appreciate your honest, positive reviews. You can leave questions at leadtosoar.com for Michelle and Mel to answer on future episodes. Until next time, we hope you'll use what you've learned here and lead to soar.